0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed.
1: In the name of Allah, Most Gracious, Ever Merciful, good morning, welcome. Assalamu alaikum, alaykum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Thursday morning, breakfast show with myself, Kayyum, and joining me today is Brother Thakir. Good morning, Assalamu alaikum. peace be upon you, brother.
0: Wa alaykum as peace be upon you, too. Another fantastic uh, British morning Uh, nice rainy day. I was Uh, going to say that. When you said (laughs) British, you mean
1: rain. (laughs) (laughs) You are definitely right. It is a nice, wet, um, uncomfortable, um, inconveniencing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A a, a day to just lie down in bed.
1: It is. um, But, uh, you know, the frustrating bit is when, even when it rains a little bit, suddenly roads get packed. Um, traffic comes out of nowhere Mm, mm. um, and on your normal day traffic which you think oh it's a 10 minute journey turns into a 20 half hour 40 minute journey you think simply because it rained yeah yeah, that's true people who normally tend to probably catch buses or are bicycling um, and you know choose to obviously use the car and uh, they hit the road it is It is one of those days um, where you kind of want to snuggle up at home um, because the weather is not the most exciting. But it is Voice of Islam breakfast show. Uh, it is our job to make sure it's exciting. So we've come with two fantastic topics that we're going to be discussing for the next two hours. The first topic is all about energy. We're going to be talking about uh, why <coughs> um Basically, we're going to be talking about what is um, what this energy crisis is, um, how it uh, how it is uh, affecting the economic, um, the our economic system that we are experiencing at the moment. Um, we're going to be talking about um, renewable sources. We're going to be talking about um, the importance of solar energy as an alternative. We're going to be looking at all different aspects um, of. Uh, why there is an energy crisis we're going to be doing that from 7:30 onwards we've got some guests who will be kind of shedding some light on this topic um and uh, our latter part of the show is going to be um what is our latter part of the show
0: i believe this is this is the main uh, oh we're going to
1: be talking about this oh look at that yeah we are going to be talking today about energy crisis finances um and uh, and how it's affecting our everyday life and how it's probably going to be affecting our life for the next, I would say, coming year to year and a mm. half. But before we do that, um, we've already done the weather um, our way. Uh, but uh, the outlook is... Uh, what is what is the outlook? Is there an outlook out there?
0: Uh, the weather forecast for our listeners, uh, this is from BBC Weather, so today's spells of rain will push northwards for many and these persistence to the east where some thunder is likely um, and it will gradually turn drier across the south and west but a few showers will linger and the forecast for tonight is that this evening rain will become confined to the north uh, with kilisbos as were heavy and possibly thundery showers will come, uh, will come into the southwest overnight with rain in the north slowly easing. So that is the weather forecast from BBC Weather. Uh, looking at what the newspapers are saying this morning, <coughs> um,
1: the funny thing is every day for the past few weeks all the newspapers tend to be covering um, same story, same headlines, and The Guardian starts with how Suela Braverman's bombshell puts trust on the brink where the Home Secretary, um, in a stinging attack on the Prime Minister, <coughs> in, her, in her resignation letter, um, uh, made uh, evident, um, sh- took shots at, at the Prime Minister, because uh, um, all, as, uh, <coughs> if one was to believe everything what uh, the, the media is saying, it was a forced recognition um, uh, because of her disagreements with the Prime Minister but what um th- what that led to is uh, a lot of confusion last night uh, because uh, um there were rumors that the chief whip um had also uh, also allegedly had gone and then she had not gone so um, a lot of uncertainty out there with the voting there was g- g- you know t- uh, co- chaotic chaotic fracking vote uh, which also br- brought uh, revolt um, from uh, mutinous Tories who were st- under the th- uh, three-line whip, but they chose to abstain, I think, more than 40. The dead, dead telegraph um, uh, uh, goes with Brahman, exit Rock's government on the day of chaos at Westminster. The eye has said chaos at the heart of United Kingdom government. Home Secretary attacks Prime Minister after being fired. Chief Whip and Deputy Chief Whip resign. Oh, they have resigned. So, chief whip and deputy chief whip have resigned and then unresigned. So, I was correct. <laughs> uh, following a vote shambles uh, disp- and then discipline collapses, leaving the prime minister on the brink. Suella Braverman has uh, savages uh, the prime minister after being ousted. Um, she said in a letter, "I have made a mistake. I accept responsibility, and I resign." Uh, pretending that we have we haven't made mistakes, carrying on. As it, every as everyone can see, we have made them. Hoping that things will magically come right is not serious politics. Braverman um, was set to. Braverman set to make a resignation speech today, with Number Ten fearing further damage to the Prime Minister. Trust decides to keep pride triple lock on pensions after all, in the face of a Conservative rebellion, and the Prime Minister decided in the PMQ yesterday that she was going to be keeping the triple lock, but that's yet to be confirmed by the Chancellor. So um let's see if uh, there's going to be another U turn or um or the, or there's going to um you know or, or there's going to be for the first time after a while a policy which we're going to be sticking with. Um most importantly for everyday people like me and Brother Tokir the inflation has risen again. It's hit over 10%. Um, it's gone up to 10.1%, meaning spending cuts are on the way. Um, and the departure of Sola Braverman means um, the new Home Secretary is Grant Shapps, which, again, is a very strange choice because as of yesterday morning, he was the leading man who was keeping a spreadsheet of all the MPs, Conservative MPs, who were going to be looking to oust the Prime Minister. And this is uh, a supposedly, allegedly, <clears throat> a ploy or a, a tactic by the Prime Minister to avoid that happening. She has kind of uh, offered this job to grants chaps to ensure that that spreadsheet doesn't increase. The Financial Times um, talks about how Truss's team plunged into chaos by exit of Braverman, Um it talks about how Nestle and P&G squeezed as customers cut spending and uh, resist price increases. The Daily Mail talks about how Soella's 90-minute shouting match with Prime Minister. Um, it talks about again how the Home Secretary has quit uh, and uh, has plunged a knife into the Prime Minister. The Times talks about again the same thing. trust faces more turmoil after sacking they talk about how it was a sacking, not a resignation um <clears throat> and uh the tabloids Mirror talks about how it's utter chaos, how the home Secretary has quit and launched the fierce attack the prime minister. The sun has and has got a picture of the Prime Minister, and all it says is broken. Daily Express talks about beyond belief. How Suela quits then MP's scuffle and lobby. And uh, the Metro's headline is Suela. Uh Suelava Mess. Whatever that means. It's too early in the morning for me to sit here and trying to figure out what tabloids' headlines actually mean. Uh, most of the front pages has covered this chaos disarray, Mayhem and Shambles, um, which has described yesterday's events at the Parliament in Westminster, and uh, today is going to be another interesting day. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it is uh, it's something what we're going to be talking about over an hour or so, uh, because uh, all of these things that we're talking about have happened because of the mini-budget, and the mini-budget was brought into place um, to ensure that people, uh, or supposedly <coughs> and people were able to afford to pay for their energy um, because of the crisis um, and uh, a lot of money was (coughs) borrowed by the government or by the previous chancellor, um, but there was no accountability of where that money was going to come from. The cities did not like the idea of giving um, cuts to people um, by borrowing and they, they did not act well to these news understandably so it kind of crashed the economy the pound was near more or less like a dollar um and uh, um interest rates suddenly started to rise pensions were in trouble uh, bank of england had to um inter, uh, you know intervene in in into um kind of more or less protect the protect the the, the economy and uh, which meant that interest rates, which were sitting at around two, two and a half percent, are now hitting five and five, six percent, and people are talking about even higher. Um, the prediction is even with um, um, the inflation. They're saying it. It's some people are talking about how it will peak eleven percent. Some people are talking about how it will peak more around thirteen percent. Uh, just to put it into perspective, um, a crate of okra which normally cost fifteen pound. Now it's being sold for thirty pound. Um um a crate of maybe papaya which so, was so doubled
0: basically. Yes. Wow.
1: Um and of course that doubling of the price will also go towards the consumer. Um and papaya, which was probably around a similar price, has also doubled. Mm. Um oil, sunflower oil, which used to be like I think a pound or just over a pound a litre. It's gone up to just over two pounds something, two pound twenty. Um, so they talk about how inflation has gone up by ten percent or in twelve percent. In fact, it's, it's the consumer is has experiencing doubling the price. Mm. So it's a hundred percent the effect. Um and what people n- need to realise is when you know milk goes up by twenty p and, and everything goes up. Your basic essentials goes up. Um, your normal everyday shop, which is bread, eggs, butter, uh, milk. Mm. You know, it it will add four or five pound on top of what mm. you're buying every day. Mm. And even if to someone, let's say, if your shopping has gone up by say five pound a day, yeah. over a period of over a year, that's fifteen hundred odd pound. In fact, that's uh, that's eighteen hundred odd pound for for the year. Mm. That's a lot of money for someone who is living uh, maybe on universal credit or he's on a pension credit or is on a minimum wage. I mean, people again, it's 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 never said enough. Forty percent of people who are having to access universal credit are in full-time employment. This is this this notion and narrative sometimes that people think, "Oh, you must not be working" is mm. absolutely wrong. Forty percent, four zero. Forty percent of the workforce who are in full-time employment have to access universal credit, have to access food bank, um, and uh, hence why. Um, this is a crisis which uh, is, to be honest, which hasn't even begun yet. People haven't really felt um, the the real um, hit yet. Mm. It's yet to come. Um, a lot of people are protecting and a lot of parents are protecting their children and trying to keep life normal for them and, and kind of taking the hit on themselves and kind of making sacrifices for themselves and they're eating less, they're using less energy but even though we joked about the weather in the morning we know that the winter is going to be bitter we already know that uh, president putin is going to be using uh, energy as a tool as a as a as a weapon uh, against the west um uh, yesterday um, president biden um <clears throat> for the first time they talked about how um, you know, the the they're going to be kind of bringing a bit of relief in the market by, um, but by releasing oils reserves. They've got just over four hundred um, million um, or billion or something like that of of uh, um, barrels of oil mm. which they have in reserve. And uh, but President Biden, but then you know again a political move because the midterm elections are coming up, so yeah. he wanted to kind of yeah. um, ensure that, that those midterm elections go well. And, and that's the way the problem is that uh, all these supposed super leaders of this world, irrespective of which side of the floor you sit on, instead of utilizing um, these God-given and, again, God-given provisions that have been given uh, to us as human beings, they are being used as political tools instead of being used for the right reasons, i.e. for the need of man. It's not that these provisions are in shortage. Um, there is enough for everyone out there yeah but because they're being used as uh, um as political tools to to gain the upper hand in their political ideologies um you know um i i, I mean i i would love to hear what's your perspective on on this uh, on the crux of this war is um you know ukraine against russia and how ukraine is being deemed as the the democratic europe the free world um, against this, um, you know, the, the narrative being Russia being the oppressor here, which it is. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. They are, they are the ones who attacked Ukraine. But I, I sometimes think, well, let's say Ukraine win. Mm. Yeah. What exactly have they won? A destroyed country with no infrastructure, no buildings, nothing, and hundreds and thousands of poor people, innocent poor people who have died. Yet Ukraine wins. They're winning what? Mm. What? What is the What? What? What is it that they've won? Okay, mm. fine. So I can understand. The, you know, the, oh, we have we have kind of retained our freedom, but but
0: is it? Am I wrong? You know, the the thing is uh, here. What I'd like to mention is that again and yet again, His Holiness Hazimsum with Me uh Allah be is the head of the anti muslim community he has mm-hmm. been warning um of the of the situation of the econo- economy for many years mm. now and uh, this is why this message of islam is so important nowadays that message of justice uh because right now what we're seeing is that a lot of these superpowers uh because a lot of their own uh vested interest uh, you know they 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 seek to you know, create uh, is basically the the game of divide and conquer here. But the reason why why I mention His Holiness here is that this is the message, the message of Islam, which is very important nowadays. That message of uniting one another and uh, building bridges um, and creating peace within the society. Um, and I actually wanted to focus a lot more. On this, on on this particular, as this is the news uh, item as well, mm. um, I tend to also go through some of the current news with regards to the Amdia Muslim community as Please, well. So, it's all yours, brother. Um, uh, so, his Holiness, uh, he returned uh, from uh, from his tour from the United States uh, back to Islamabad at Tilford, um, and this was on the this uh, this article was published on the twentieth. Of October, and his holiness he arrived uh, two days ago um, at Islamabad, uh, just after the Fajr prayer, approximately at 8 a.m. Um, and he was met by the members of the community, who had welcomed him and. You know these three weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. The tour of his holiness uh he inaugurated the uh, the new mosque which opened in dallas in u s a and also uh in in Zion in illinois the Fatezi mosque um so that the these two mosques were open and also a reception was held with the with the locals there as well. And his speech that he delivered, uh, I wanted to read a few uh, quotes out from that, which he delivered at the at the mosque in Dallas in USA, the Bethul Ikram Mosque. And this is a great opportunity uh, when these mosques open that to enlighten the individuals that what are the actual teachings of Islam? What does Islam say? And what is the purpose of a mosque? And on this particular topic on the purpose of building Mosques Holiness, he said that the principal objectives underlying any mosque built by our community are always the same. First, our mosques serve as a place for our members to congregate to fulfill their religious duties of worshipping God Almighty. Secondly, our mosques enable us to serve God's creation and to propagate Islam's teachings. Furthermore, His Holiness um, mentioning the, the aspect how Islam uh, promotes peace and not extremism or violence. His Holiness, he said that the Kaaba was founded and built on the instructions of Allah the Almighty to convey a universal message of peace and security for people from all walks of life and nation. While mosques are built to face the Kaaba, it is not just in terms of physical direction that they should follow the Kaaba. Rather, every mosque and those who worship within them must strive to immaculate and faithfully represent the objectives of the sacred house. Zoninus further said that alongside worshipping Allah, the other key objective of the Kaaba and therefore of every mosque is to be a home to those who are open-hearted, gracious, benevolent, and who convey a message of peace, reconciliation, goodwill for all mankind through their words and deeds, and this is such a beautiful message. And if we look at the uh, if we look at the teachings of Islam, we find that Islam actually um, it is uh, you know the, His Holiness Hazrat Surah being the ambassador of religion. You know, Islam, it respects the rights of all other religions. As if we just study the Holy Quran, you know, it doesn't, it says that, you know, you have to believe in Prophet Abraham, Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses. And these were all the prophets of the past religion. So Islam is that only religion which accepts all of these prophets and says, you know, these were truthful prophets. And if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we find how... Respect for his holiness was to people of all other faiths, and the mosques of 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 the Muslims were open to all other people. For example, we find in history uh, the group uh, of Christians from Najran who came to meet the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, and when they came to meet the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, um, they were were during their discussion uh, they became very agitated, very frustrated. And to this the Holy Prophet peace be upon him inquired as to what the matter was. And they explained that uh, it was actually their time for prayer and they did not have uh, their mosque or or their church or their house of worship where they could pray in. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessing of God Almighty be upon him, he very graciously gave his own mosque and he said, go pray over there. You know, you should use this mosque and you should remember uh, you, you, you can practice your faith and you can pray in my mosque. And that's not just one example, you would find countless examples how, how from the example of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, how he showed love to all other nations. And, you know, this is why I wanted to highlight, Brother Qayyum, that the message of Islam is that, you know, we should be building bridges and we should be helping one another. Rather at a time where you know where we're going through a very uh, turmoil where you know prices have increased, uh, people are frustrated. You know the situation of Russia and Ukraine. You know where vulnerable lives are are at stake. Uh, you know people don't have food to eat. If we were to understand these teachings of Islam and act upon them, then we would create a harmonious society. And this is something. That we are in desperate need of the teachings of Islam,
1: without a shadow of a doubt. I think one point that uh, I've kind of made in other programs as well, <clears throat> and I think it's a very relevant one, that back in 2013, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor may Allah strengthen his hand, talk, spoke about how you, how utilities and how energy will become a bargaining tool in mm. this world, where the rich will be able to afford it, and the poor won't be able to. He also talked about stockpiling of food because he said not because uh, there will be a war. He said there will be warlike situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what if one was to look at our lives in the sixth largest economy in the world? People are having to go literally to food banks, um, and which is modern day. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's that uh, people who are working in full time employment are having to go to a food bank, where you know they they. they they have to access these provisions for free um, or, or for for small amounts of money um, to go and feed their children. And this is what his holiness had been warning the world about. He had foreseen um, in, in you know, w- the experience and the spiritual guidance that he gave was, look, you need to start acting in a just manner. You need to start respecting the energy, the God given provisions that, um that God has given you. And one thing also that came to light again, I didn't realize it myself that now the European nations are starting to buy up um, energy resources to get ready for the winter and they're storing these provisions. Mm. But they have gone into that market, which is normally uh, where countries like Africa, continents like Asia and Africa and the poorer nations tend to buy their energy from. And what the European countries are doing and the Western world is doing is they're overpricing. They are outbidding the Africans and the Asian countries. Mm. So to protect themselves so they can build up their reserves, they're actually putting majority of the poorer nations in the world in jeopardy Mm. where people were not going to be able to access any of these provisions. Mm. Mm. That's the unjustness. Mm. That's the cruelty. One was to look at it. You're not buying things for your... Uh, for your everyday use you're buying to reserve um uh, you know r- um, uh, these resources so it can be utilized in the coming months whereas you know that that countries in 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 the third world are always um, uh, you know they're always a day behind if not mm. week or month behind they're always uh, left wanting because the western world in its greed in its um in, uh, you know in in its uh, um Um, This desire to not um, um, have discomforts um, is willing to put everybody else out of discomfort. And it's always the poor. The difference now is that before it was the poor of the poorer, poorer, poorer part of the world. Now it's at home. Mm. Now it's our people. It's our nation. It is it is that it's not just the people who are in coming from low economic backgrounds. Because they had actually, in fact, they've gotten used to austerity. They've gotten used to having less. Now it's the middle class who's going to be hit. Now it's the people who who normally can afford to do every day, you know, um, uh, keep up with the Joneses, is what they say. Mm. But now all of those people are going to be hit where your mortgages are going to go up. Or they have already gone up by five to six hundred pound a month. Mm. Energy bills from April onwards are going to go up to, you know, three to four hundred pound a month. That's a thousand pounds a month. That means somebody, whoever in, in, on, in a certain in a band of, of salaries is going to be having to earn a, a minimum. And that doesn't even include the cost of living increase in your everyday shop. You need to earn between twelve to fifteen thousand pounds a year in addition to what you're earning now to just to keep your head above water if you have a mortgage and if you're paying energy bill it's crazy there's a lot of madness going on here and uh, and and uh, you know um I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that the need of the day is um is to is to is to uh, you know look at uh, things um from a, from a, from a just perspective um we're going to stick to the topic of um um, um, of energy, and uh, we're going to take a very, very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go and uh, join and, and bring um, our guest into our conversation. We've got with us Philip Gent, who is a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. He has worked in the energy sector and served in the United Kingdom Oil and Gas Industry Tax Committee and the National Grid. Philip is an approved uh, parliamentary candidate for the Conservative Party. He chairs the Conservative Policy Forum in Woking. He is the branch chairman of the Conservative Party in. Working, we're going to be joining, um, Philip's going to be joining us um, as soon as we come back after a very short break. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24
2: hours a day.
1: Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show. I'm um, Going straight on to our topic, What is why is there an energy crisis? Basically, the gist of the story is, according to the Energy Saving Trust, there has been an increase in the demand for gas as the world begins to recover from the pandemic. However, this could not be met because of the shortage in supply. This led to gas prices increasing in 2021. Added to the increase in demand, sources like wind and solar solar, were producing less power and the cold weather during winter months forced people to turn their heating up. The increase in uh, gas prices has forced many suppliers, energy suppliers in Great Britain um, is put them out of business. By the end of December last year, the total of 28 energy companies had gone out of business affecting 2 million customers and um, you know it's always good to clarify these 28 energy companies they weren't um, the main source they were the middle people hmm. yeah so they were the middle people who um, who went out of business uh, but them going out of business meant 2 million people 2 million customers were affected and they had to be kind of transferred onto other companies what and what this meant was uh, less competition in the market let's go and talk to our uh, let's bring our our guest into um our, our conversation. Good morning. Welcome. Assalamu alaikum and peace be on you, Philip. Thank you for taking time out and coming on good. to the breakfast show.
2: Very good morning to you. Um peace be on you. delighted to be on the show.
1: Thank you for taking time out at such early times. Uh, no,
0: good no. Yeah, good morning, Philip. Uh, hope you're doing well this morning. Um I wanted to ask you: There are several contributory factors to the current energy crisis. Um, now, which, in your opinion, are the major contributors?
2: Yes, I, I think you've summarized it, summarized it quite, quite, quite well. Um, uh, since since COVID, um, China's demand for for energy, uh, Asia's demand generally has has increased and um prior to the war in ukraine uh russia uh, and their energy company gas from were favoring uh supplies to to china over europe europe was also trying to um, um fill in its storage uh post 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 um uh also what we've got to got to be aware of as you've mentioned is that in 2021 there was quite a high demand for gas and therefore storage levels in europe uh, did deplete uh, quite significantly Um, so it is it is a story of um, supply and demand you know demand being you know well ahead of um, supply Um, the world economies are still heavily dependent on fossil fuels um, and gas in particular Uh, so that's where the pressure point is now it is on gas in the short term energy supply is obviously you know requires a huge amount of infrastructure Mm. and you know it's multiple decades uh planning for for that Uh, so these things cannot be turned around in, in short term unfortunately Mm. And, and gas where is where, where the, the price change
0: is. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you said that, that uh, things cannot change, uh, you know, from, from where they are right now. And that's why I wanted to ask you, do you mm-hmm. think the current increase in energy prices will be the new norm uh, that we all have to get used to now?
2: Well, um, oh, about a half. Of uh, the UK's electricity is produced by through the use of gas, um, and given the price of gas has, has gone up five, six, seven times, that's clearly reflected in uh, in the cost of power production. Um, but what I would say. Is that historically, oil and gas prices have fluctuated quite significantly, uh, and it would be remiss, I think, of anybody to sort of, um, with a hand on heart, and say, look, you know, this is going to be the new norm. Um, however, experts in the field are saying that we should expect. Uh, significantly higher prices through through the course of this this decade. But like I said, I, I would I would attach a health warning to that. You know, energy prices historically have fluctuated
0: significantly. Mm. And and we, I mean we we're all affected by this uh, crisis in some way or another. Um, but can you elaborate on the repercussions of the financial hit for the lower-income families specifically?
2: Yeah, I mean, mean, as you've you've mentioned, um, the cost of energy, uh, the cost of food, the cost of uh, housing, whether that's rental or mortgage payment, are generally fixed costs, um, and for uh, lower-income families, it's quite significant portion of uh, disposable income and um, so any increase in that sort of fixed fixed cost um, affects the lower income households uh, disproportionately and um, hard choices uh, are having to be made you know and will be made increasingly um, you know, up and down the country uh the government is trying to help but uh there's no doubt you know we are in a a period of um, of hard choices and uh, financial uh, financial constraints on individual households Uh, everybody will have to look at you know how they can to uh, trim trim their budget cut any surplus spending Know, look at their consumption, look at their behaviour, yeah. and see how they can uh, reduce reduce their costs. Uh, but at the lower lower end of the C, uh, uh,
0: absolutely level
2: there there's a significant significant impact. And and I know the government is is on top of this in many ways. I think the statement from the chancellor did it identify the most vulnerable as being being the priority. So um, the government is not the solution to every problem. Cannot be uh, be that, but it does have a responsibility, in my opinion, to to look out for the most vulnerable. And I do hope that um, where it can, that it does actually exercise it
0: whatever instruments it has to, to do that uh, yeah and where we're at. and at, at one side where we see oh. that the energy prices they have increased um looking at renewable energy do you think there would now be an increased yeah. effort towards uh towards this
2: in the sh- in the short term again um I mean, the UK over the last 10, 20 years has done very, very well in, and is, is ahead of most countries in in shifting from uh, fossil fuel to to renewables. But um, as we as we've seen, you know, for example, wind depends on on the wind blowing, and you know, the the wind hasn't blown um, in in such low low volume since 1961 so we are suffering from from low wind you know so the Sun has to the sun has to shine and um, so we are going to be dependent on nuclear uh, as well uh, and unfortunately we only have one uh, nuclear plant up and running at the moment but there are plans for small modular reactors um, Build, they will take time to sort of come on stream and, and, and uh, get into the grid um it is a slow process um unfortunately this indeed you know th- this does take decades um and in the short term there is going to have to be a switch back to fossil fuel i i believe because of the um, secure energy security risks as a result of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and um, Russia now not really supplying Europe um, um, with gas. Um, so we are exposed to these, um, these forces as well that have not been anticipated. Um, we are going to have to increase our storage capacity as well uh, So, um, renewables is certainly the long term long term aim, and I think that the government has committed continues to commit to net zero uh by two thousand and fifty um, but in the short term theres we're going to have to be a rethink. um, um Philip, just
1: yeah. to, in in the short term, you you mentioned the short term. What's yeah. happening across the pond and on the on our in our European friends? They've they've got provision, they've got facilities where they can store gas. We yeah. don't. We've got rid of all of our storage facilities. My understanding. So, correct. Right. Um, how what how are we going to be coping?
2: Yes. So, um, first of all we need to, inc- there are measures to sort of increase our gas storage mm-hmm. uh, capacity, but we, we are going to have to rely on LNG as well, ship ship more of that in. Now, a lot of countries are uh, um, searching for LNG, so obviously the price of that is going up. Um, uh, countries, European countries are uh, building Storage capacity, for LNG offshore storage capacity. Um, we're not at that point yet where we're desperately low. Mm-hmm. Um, the National Grid have uh, this week; um, they've mentioned they could be that blackout between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Uh, but that's absolute worst case. You know, I don't. I, what I don't want to do is. Item concern when there is no need to item concern or create a panic. So, uh, what, what the grid are doing are they're sort of going to incentivize shifting of demand from peak times. Um, so, if you reduce the demand at, at peak times, then that reduces uh, the, the potential for blackouts. So, they will be incentivizing. Customers. companies were always incentivized mm-hmm. but they're shifting this sort of uh, demand they're, they're applying this demand shifting principle to to you know ordinary consumers like me and you and so um, you know that that seems to be a sensible way of trying to tax. that my only my only
1: concern with the national grids announcements is with the 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 political um, scenes within the United Kingdom over the past couple of years, not, not just, just weeks. When somebody like National Grid comes out, people tend to listen. Because these are not people who are in the news every day. So when they come out, who are supposed to be the guardians of our energy, supposedly, or the regulating or the, provi- or the providers of it, and they talk about electric and gas, and they talk about blackouts... I I, I actually agree with you that probably it won't happen. But the fact that, and because it's the worst possible scenario and it's about preparing for the worst possible scenario, but people never hear, oh, it's the worst possible scenario. They only hear, oh, my God, there's going to be a blackout. You know, how does one deal with that fear that people already have? that there will be that their kids will not have enough energy their kids will not have enough heating you know that that is isn't that part and parcel of the crisis of energy that we we are having hi philip can you hear me i think we've uh, have we lost philip but i uh, mean we'll we'll see we can reconnect with philip um Brother Keith, isn't, isn't that the, the part and parcel of the problem at the moment? That the, the fear in people. that uh, the, and, and again, it's not about, oh, I am not going to have enough heating. It's about my elderly parents, um, my, um, you know, my, my elderly neighbor, my children. Um, the vulnerable in society are going to be the first people who are going to be hit with this crisis, aren't they?
0: yes absolutely um usually uh you know it is those who are vulnerable that are the most affected um in these sort of crisis and uh as as Brother Philip was mentioning that uh the situation um you know is is looking bad i mean he he was mentioning that from now on you know he he was saying that the situation is going to stay the same. That uh, the energy prices will will continue to in, uh, remain like this, um, and 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 I, I guess at a, at such a time uh, we do need to look at a certain solution as to what we can do, how we can uh, look after the vulnerable in the society as well.
1: Um, thanks for uh, rejoining us, uh, Philip. Something we were discussing about the the immediate crisis that. Um, that we talked about National Grid and, and how they have made their announcement and how people, obviously, you know, they're not listening to the full sentence that this is the worst possible scenario. They're just listening, oh, it's going to be a blackout. So they are already worried. Um, is, it, is it is it not time? And I always wonder this, that within the Conservative Party at the moment, there's a lot of turmoil. And people are mistaking that turmoil for... Policy that Conservative Party have, which has got nothing to do with what's happening at the moment, which still there is still government is still working. And this isn't a political. uh, There is no political party who can come up with a solution. Should there not be cross party um, sittings and and committees here who need to be resolving a, a short term crisis to to avoid vulnerable people being affected by this? Philip
2: yeah, I just, just just come back on the line so sorry. The, the, the line dropped and um, so I, I'm back on now and I've caught I caught the end of your your question about sure. committees mm-hmm. um so 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 are we talking about sorry could you, if you could what, what I was talking back. about is that
1: a lot of people kind of get lost in the drama of politics especially like what it is happening today um yes. whereas people forget that there is still government which is working in the background People yeah. are still dealing with, you know, everyday issues of energy crisis. There are still meetings happening. There are still um, the government is actually working. Um, uh-huh. But isn't this crisis supposed to be a cross-party solution? Indeed. Because because whether conservatives stay or Labour stay or someone goes or comes, it's actually irrelevant because the crisis is a crisis and is there. And and it needs to be done for the benefit of the people, or am I being too altruistic here?
2: You're certainly not 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 being too altruistic. Um, you're you, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and and in relation to to the energy crisis, you know, the government has um, come out with a package that it announced mm-hmm. with the energy price cap. Yep, um, and also as it affects the cost of living, they've also reduced the planned height in national insurance. Yes. That will go some way to alleviate in, um, alleviating the problem. They are working with national grid, as, as I mentioned before, to shift demand yes. from, from, from peak times. And that will also, that, that will be through an incentive payment um, which will reduce bills potentially um so that these these are some of the measures that the government has already announced and and has implemented or will be implementing shortly and then there are also you know the the subsidies of um of of energy costs you know the winter fuel payments etc etc and then you know for for pensioners as well there are there is additional um Support. So there, there are, there are, you know, quite, quite a number, quite a number of support packages. Whether they go far enough, um, uh, I'm not, not sure. But in addition, local councils are have been given money or discretionary uh, support as well. Hmm. Uh, so those um, who are in the difficulties in contact. You know, their counsel. They can. They can also. You know, if they have medical needs, dialysis at for example, they can contact their energy supplier as well. Um, so there is help out there. There mm-hmm. is help out there, um, but it's 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 from multiple potentially from multiple sources and um, coming through in a different ways. Uh,
1: um this is a it's it's an ongoing topic and i think we will Mm. um i I think this is something that's going to go on for for the next coming months if not a year um at least um you know and and there are no short-term solutions immediate solutions um for for the energy crisis philip i'm going to request if you could stay with us because we're going to go to the news because when we come back from the news i kind of want to go on to the next topic and one of the next um, um um crises that people haven't really thought about because of, of, of the de- the debate around uh, uh, energy, which is the financial crisis, and I don't mean yeah. simply from a political point of view. I'm talking from the the everyday man's point of view. So please do stay, uh, please do stay with us. Um, we're gonna take a very quick break. We're gonna go to the news, um, and then we'll come back, um, and and we'll go on to on our, our next topic, which is the financial crisis. So do stay tuned. Um, you're listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum and brother Tokir. We're going to um, take uh, a, a quick break um, and uh, go to the news. And, when, and pre- please do grab yourself a cup of coffee, or toast. Uh, you know, personally, i like a bit of avocado, um, you know, post eggs, toast. Um, do send it in to me. Um, I'm kind of hungry. But uh, if you can't do that, remember me in your prayers and join me after the 8 o'clock news.
0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed.
1: Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kium And joining me today is Brother Thakir. And we have with us our guest on the line with us. We have got with us Philip Gent. Um, thank you for um, holding on uh, for us, uh, Philip, uh, while the news was going on. Um, Pleasure. Welcome. Mm. Going on to the kind of the... Um, The crisis with around uh, with around to finances because that and the reason I I attach the energy crisis to this uh, financial crisis is because the way it has been presented to the people is that in order to um, in order to provide the provision for a cap on energy prices, money had to be borrowed and money. And again, I don't really want to get into the, the that cycle of, well, one thing led to another to where we are today. And, um, the, the, the you know, it caused a an economic crisis, which was, again, I, I think people don't say it enough. It's something we were going to get to anyway, but it kind of kind of did a turbo boost. That that's what's happened. Yeah. What is the, the real outlook? What we hear is people, and I, even I quoted figures earlier that, you know, mortgages are going to go up by five to six hundred a month. Energy prices next year, come April, if the once the cap is removed, if, you know, it's going to go, it's going to be around four hundred pound a month. Um, you know, that's like that's a thousand pounds a month. And we haven't even talked about other things. That's twelve grand a year, um, which is someone's full time salary on on the lowest sc- economic scale. Are we? Are we going? I mean, I am old enough to remember um, negative equity. Um, I am old enough to remember eight between eight and fifteen percent interest rates. I'm old enough to remember auction houses full of um, repossessions. Are we heading that yeah. way, or am I scaremongering sure. here? Just <laughs> <laughs> um, of all, I
2: think, um people, who, I think there's there's a slight difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the exposure to flexible rate um, mortgages is less now than it was during the previous housing crisis. Mm. So stru- structurally in the market, you know, individuals are not as exposed as they were then, and therefore the impact uh, should not be as severe, both on individuals and on on banks. Uh, so. Um, but, but let, let, let's just go back um and and just 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 um look at this with a with a slightly slightly longer lens and try and put it in in some perspective yep let's please do um the issue here um is that the government does uh, continuously at uh, the current talks a they uh, government income is less than um, its expenditure, and and that means that the government's uh, national debt is always increasing. And without the economy growing, that debt is unlikely to be paid off, and and, and that is putting uh, government securities under pressure in the market. Now. Um, which means that yield prices reduce and the yield increases. So the, you know, so so interest rates uh, rise uh, as a, as a result result of that. Um, the se- The second point is um, as a result of the energy energy costs, that's putting pressure on inflation. Uh, cost of producing goods is increasing, energy and costs are rising, um, and it's um, the Bank of England's responsibility to control inflation. And they will do that by uh, increasing interest rates because that should encourage saving, that should reduce borrowing, and that will result in a reduction in demand, which should result in a reduction in or uh, reduce the pressure on prices. Prices rising. Um, the recent activity, uh, supply side trickle down economics, as it's called, of uh, cutting taxes to boost uh, and, uh, growth, uh, um, uh, led to a reduction in confidence in the market and perhaps attached a greater risk premium to to government securities, and, and therefore the interest rates are probably higher than they ought to be, I would say that. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly the recent statement by Jeremy Hunt, uh, where he's reversed the tax reductions proposed, you know, through these tax increases are now going to go ahead, um, has set the market and the interest rates are coming down the pound is strengthening. The,
1: the, that's a, the, I'm glad you kind of raised the Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, and he's kind of settled mm. them. He's kind of um, you know given a bit of that that beginning of that confidence in, in mm. um, is, is obviously it's coming back. But just for, say from from the the, the normal man, the the, the the layman on the street who was being told that interest rates are going to you know shoot up by Bank of England, and with this new package that Jeremy Hunt has has announced. Does that mean interest rates will go back down? Or are we going to or the the increase is not going to be as quickly as everybody had been worried about? What what does it mean for for someone like me who where, you know, I'm kind of enjoying life on the two, two and a half percent and suddenly bank says, well sorry mate, it's five and a half percent now. And I'm like, oh my good God. What does that mean for me? Does that mean five and a half percent stays, and six is not going to come as quickly as they had anticipated, or does that mean I will probably go back to four percent in, in real terms? What is what what is what can the, the 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 man on the street take away from this 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 announcement by Jeremy Hunt, which has calmed the markets? We've lost Philip again, haven't we? I, th- I think so. You're telling me I have to repeat all of that all over again? What was I saying? Even I forgot what I was saying. You know, I, I kind of lost thread of what I was saying. Um, Brother Zishan is going to try and reconnect um, 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 uh, with Philip, and I'm sure Brother Zishan will repeat the question that uh, I, <laughs> I was asking Philip to to Philip when he reconnects. Uh, have we got Philip with us again? Let's see um brother zishan our our technical magician is doing his thing um but is it um brother Tukir? i mean before we, while we try to reconnect with philip isn't that what salam um, aleikum peace be on you um, philip what does it what does this this uh this calming of the market mean for the man on the street is his interest gonna rate going to go down or or what is it going to happen
2: right i so, right okay so again um, what what I don't what I don't want to do is, um, is yeah, you, predict or yeah, speculate. I understand. Because, I understand. Because, uh, but but what I would say what I would say is there's a firm commitment on, on behalf of the government to have a plan. The medium term financial strategy will be set out, whereby they will demonstrate to the market that they have a plan to reduce. National debt. Now that will that's going to feed in confidence, and that will uh, mean that um, the pressure, uh, the risk premium attached to the UK will will reduce. Um, we we should expect. We should also expect inflation to come down next year. Which. which uh, which will re- as a result of the, the high interest rates that we have now um, and, and that should then reduce the need to raise interest rates further although from the current level they are expected to be raised by another percentage point uh, you know, that's what's factored into the market at the moment that the Bank of England will raise interest rates by another percent uh, the interest rates in the UK are currently leave lower than those of the US and the US normally leads uh, in relation to the, to, to the interest rate. So it's very likely that they will go up from here, but then start coming down again next year autumn, things equal.
1: What what is going to be happening to the supply side of things? Because we talk of finance, we talk of mortgage, we talk of bills. We've we've already discussed these things, uh, or we've kind of tackled them. We haven't really, uh, you know, the, 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 there's never enough time to discuss these things into the real depth. But um, there is a clear issue with regards to supplying of. Um, we are we are in a country where we import mo- most more or less everything, uh-huh. and. Uh, There is issue with supply. We are a country who has, whether we like it or not, we don't like talking about it, but we've kind of become isolated from the world. Um, It feels that way. I don't know what your perspective is, but that isolation has meant that uh, things coming into the country are going to be that much more expensive. A lot of countries where... Previously, having a, um, a relationship with our country was profitable. It's not anymore because of the red tape that's been created because of, of, of uh, you know, um, events that have happened over the years. But politically, putting all of these aside, what that, meant, what that means for someone like me or Brother Tokir or even, even for yourself is that the food that is put on the table is 20% more, 30% more than what it was a year ago what are we doing about that i mean we've already talked about our mortgages and what again people don't realize is that 40 i think it was between 25 and and 40% if i can if i recall of um of of uh, residents in this country live in private rented accommodation so if mortgages go up that means buy to let landlords mortgages will go up which means rents will go up which means you know for the first time after a long time Rental, being, being uh, uh, you know, in a rental situation or a buying situation is exactly the same. Both of them are uh, putting uh, pressures on your, on your wallets and in your pockets. And so your living cost is going to go up because from an energy point of view, from a rent point of view. But the food you're eating, the clothes you're wearing, the car you're driving, the quality of your life is going to be knocked. Whether we, we'd like to say it or not, but it is going to be knocked. What are the plans of the government to to tackle this? And and if I may, if I may ask a naive, naive question. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not talking Brexit. I am talking a country made a decision. We went forward. We did it. It didn't work. I'm not saying, should we not go back and talk about let's join Europe again? No. Should single market not be on the card at least? People, we should we should be brave enough to say, look, we tried it. It's a policy that didn't kind of work for us. Let's let's kind of put single market back on the table.
2: Okay. It, wouldn't that
1: be honest politics?
2: Okay. Well, well, well first of all, I, what I would say is there's no silver bullet to, to resolve resolve these issues. They are these the issues that we've been talking about are as a very very big shock. The global economy. Um, Brexit was one such shock, um, but you know, which which resulted in more friction in, in trade. But uh, the, the magnitude of, of what we're seeing is not as a result of, of Brexit. It's more a result of, um, as you say, you know, Ukraine was the large exporter of food. Rain, especially uh, very, very fertile, the most fertile uh, region of Europe. Uh, and that, uh, that that has impacted global prices. Post-COVID, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. energy <laughs> prices and energy consumption. Energy consumption was raised in demand from the Asian economies, China, etc. Europe as well. As we've mentioned that. Um, The quantitative easing uh, that happened during COVID to support uh, the measures uh, um, uh, that were introduced by the government there, $450 of support there from the UK, you know, that increased our national debt, and that has had an impact on on inflation uh, as well. These things have to now be worked through the system. And and as, as I was mentioning, they, they, you know, we should be seeing the back end of these all things being resolved from this next year. Uh, so we are reaching the peak in the crisis, I would say, and and and, and then you know that will be tailing off. But your your question is, um, how how do we go forward as, as a global global Britain? I think you know the the British public voted. I think you know we don't we don't want to revisit the Brexit without a mandate. You know, we had a referendum, that's our that democratic process. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we shouldn't we shouldn't be looking to overturn overturn that. I mean that that would have hugely consequential impacts for our democracy. Right? But what we ought to be doing is looking at how we develop our our economy. We need to upskill and upgrade our economy. And we do that by improving the skills and education levels of our population. That's first and foremost. And, and that, if you look at all the studies uh, that happened on this, the greatest impact on the GDP of a nation, on the, on the on the wealth of a nation, is its education, is the education level of its people. And so we see that now with the government having lifelong learning and, you know, introduction of um, apprenticeships etc that's all a push us to upskilling and upgrading um you know our workforce and if we can upgrade and upskill our workforce we we should end up with a high wage uh, economy as well uh, philip that, I'm, if i may i'm going to yeah.
1: interject here because i i listen to what you're saying and i'm i agree with everything you're saying but what you're mm. saying is something that will happen in 10 years that's something we we'll are building up to we we want, we want a, we want growth. In order for us to have growth, we need people who work in the system. We have, we always talk about we have the highest level of employment in this country, but we never talk about how we also have the highest number of vacancies in this country, which has gone over 2 million. We don't have the people to fill the posts and these are not just a lot of people think these are unskilled labor. No, skilled labor. The NHS is crying out for people. Um, all, all fields, the, the, the IT sector, the tech sector is crying out for people. The construction industry is crying out for people. We have two million vacancies. We need, to, until we fill those vacancies, growth is not going to happen. You know that, I know that, everybody knows that. Because people need to be in industry for industry to work. Now... Yes, yes, yes. So where are we going to get those people? We are, of course, we're skilling people. I fully appreciate that. The youth, today's youth are the future of our nation. I agree. They need to be trained. Education system needs to be improved. But the reality is... The British education system of 20 years ago, which was the kind of envy of the world, I would say probably 30 years ago. Today, we are so far down the line in respect of the Southeast Asian countries are so far ahead. Countries, you know, who who to us, education has become a political football in, because we change it every time a new government comes in. That's not taking education seriously if it's going to be chopped and changed. So what I'm saying is, I agree with what you're saying from a verbal point of view. But we're not being realistic and honest with ourselves about timings. What you're saying is, yes, let's train our doctors. takes five to seven years. But in that meantime, we need to have people in this country who will fill these vacancies in order for growth to happen what and and i i fully agree with this con the the, the 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 notion of the yeah it's a democracy fully appreciate that however we we also need to democracy democracy is not going to put food in my belly my friend it's not going to heat up my house it's not going to pay for my mortgage mm. it, it's yeah. it, 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 do you get me i mean that's the reality of it if i know yeah. that i'm not saying reverse brexit i am saying Countries like Switzerland, countries like Norway, there are other countries out there who are not part of Europe, but they have found alternative um, routes to ensure that industry keeps on churning. Why can't we do that?
2: And you have, yeah, no, you are absolutely right. I, 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 I can talk firsthand about Switzerland. I mean, you know, lived and worked there for ten years. They have a population of eight million, of which nearly two million are are from outside of Switzerland. So, you know, I th- you're absolutely right as well that, you know, economic growth is also a function of, you know, the number of people that are employed in an economy. And we do have a you know, record number of vacancies and a uh, fewer number of people looking for work. So, the, the, the always the difficult questions, uh, that, that's why we have politics. Yeah. Because, you know, there are certain questions that are very, very difficult to resolve, and migration is a huge issue. It is well. without or, a or doubt. It is. it is. Yeah. That. So, so, and, and so there is there is divergence of view in relation to you know what policy is the best policy. Now, if we were looking at looking at it through the prism of economic growth, then there is no no debate. So, you know, you know, you'd open the borders. You would get the people that you need to get to fill those vacancies and, you know, you'd, you'd carry on from there. So yep. that in itself...
1: Have qualified is, migration. What's wrong
2: with that? Indeed. And so we do have a points-based uh, immigration system now, uh, but we would probably need to look at opening that up further. Further categories need to be introduced because vacancies now exist. Across our economy, so and and that in itself, I I, I believe or I understand was the reason why Suella Braverman uh, was uncomfortable being in government because Liz Truss is looking at reviewing the you know the immigration policy that we have at the moment. So government is looking at this and reconsidering the approach in light of you know the issues that you've outlined. It's a hard choice. choice.
1: It is a hard choice, but the government needs to be fair here as well. Because what's happening is. With the with Brexit and all of our um, a lot of our NHS and other um, 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 mainstream uh, public sector workers who went back to Europe, what's happening is now we are going to Africa, Asia, Southeast Asia we're looking to get staff fill our vacancies from countries who are on the red list, who WHO have said should not be approached, like Ghana, Nigeria, where they, all, they themselves have a brain drain. They have, they have a shortage of resources to facilitate their own country. Yet we are approaching them to get their staff to accommodate our need. As much as it might resolve our situation, We should be just, we should be honest, and we should not be crossing those red lines that have been set by international organizations like the World Health Organization. We should be looking at places where there's an excess of nurses or doctors or professionals. And again, I agree with what you're saying, but I I think... Irrespective of which side of the floor or, or, or what political colors one swears, isn't it not time that people started going back and again, uh, with all the greatest respect to the political um, people in this field, but we need some honest politics which has disappeared. Why, why is it so hard for people to just state the fact as what it is? We, we, we kind of need that as, as a people to bring that and to build that faith back into our leaders, which isn't there at the moment. And I don't mean that from a conservative point of view. I'm talking even from from, from Labour, Liberal Democrats, SNP. It, these are all um, these names have become um, um, kind of um, reality TV um, um, more than than political leaders. Philip, can you hear me again? Philip, 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 Philip. Why is it that we tend to lose Philip? Every time I ask a long question, Philip goes to sleep. My questions are so long that he goes to sleep thinking, I'll wake up in a minute and then and then I'll ask him the
0: shorter version of that question. You should keep them short, short and sweet. Yeah, but the, you
1: see, <laughs> but, but then, you know, it kind of, oh, look, yes, we did lose Philip and uh, we, Brother Zishan, Brother Zishan, it's, you know, you're getting your money's worth today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you mentioned uh, stockpiling, uh, Brother Qayyum. I was actually um, just looking. And if we look at the Quran, uh, there's a very interesting verse uh, which talks about saving your re- reserves for um, those certain years or those difficult times and using that reserve. Um, and I, I wanted to actually use this time and mention those verses of the Holy Quran, which is from chapter twelve, verse forty-six to fifty, and uh, this is a conversation between the king at that time and Prophet Joseph, and uh, the Prophet Joseph actually inter- interprets a dream the king has at that time, um, and and the dream which the king has is that he sees um, seven he sees seven seven cows. And uh, and seven lean's one, which seven lean ones devour, and then also he sees seven green ears of corn and seven other withered. So he sees this dream, and he wants to interpret what this dream means. And his prophet Joseph, who then interprets this dream, and he says that well, what this means is that you're going to be having seven years where you will have plenty of food lands would be fertile you know you you will have all the crops but then he said that the following seven years you your country will be going through a great famine where there will be no food and the situation will be very dire and so the king listened to prophet joseph at that time and he asked for what can be the solution at that time and prophet joseph he said that well what you should be doing is that in those seven years where you will have plenty of food, you will have great amount of crops. What we should be doing is that eat very little from it and then reserve the rest. And so that is what the king did, that he stockpiled. And for those seven years, uh, he then used a reserve. And what his dream was, that's how reality came to be, that uh, first seven years came and uh, they they had the most fertile lands. You know they had the most amount of crops, and then when that famine came, uh, you know, he used those reserves, um, and 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 uh, you know, he it, it was a great solution to the problem at that time. Um, so this is from verse chapter 12, verse 46 to 50, and what we learn from here is uh, that debt itself should be encouraged. and. Um within the society, uh, we should look to stockpile as well and then borrow from our reserves. You see, I agree with you um, that uh, reserves need to be built. But
1: unfortunately, we're living in a society at the moment, which is about I've thought about it. I want it and I want it now. Mm. And because of that mindset, um, um, we, we've never we, we've stopped thinking long term. We've stopped thinking um and again, um, we've, we've got uh, Brother Philip, who's joined us um, again. The problem um, in today's day and age, and I find it within the political arena, is we don't think long term. Um, we, uh, we, we think of the here and now. Um, Philip, uh, thank you for joining us again. Um, I, I was just saying, is it is not time to for, for the British people um, to get some honest politics um, instead of reality TV on PMQ, Philip, can you hear me, Philip? Philip,
2: yes, as Welcome, alaykum. I was, on, I, I put myself on. The, I know, I, 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 I was just, just being amused by, 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 the reality TV. Reality. Um. <laughs> well, it is
1: because, <laughs> because since, since the cameras have gone into Parliament, it's become reality TV. I mean, yesterday. I mean, as much as I think sometimes it's good to 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 show debate on TV, I think when Westminster and Parliament is in turmoil, I think the camera should be turned off. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think they should. I don't think the public needs to see that the elected politicians of this world, of our country, behave in this manner. You know, there's there's got to be, um, you know, if, if they don't want their their respect to be maintained then let's turn these cameras off for 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 when we see turmoil in parliament i i just find it that yeah, yeah. that what is it that we are showing to our future generation that these are the people who are right. going to be making decisions about me
2: right i i think there, there, are, there, are, there are there are a couple of points, points, points here first of all you know free media i think i think we we have to be uh have my e, e, have my think Correct. Correct. Even
1: free media, happy. even freedom, has to have boundaries, Philip. Otherwise, freedom without boundaries is anarchy, which is what we are experiencing at the
2: moment. Somewhat, say. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. You're, 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 yeah. I think. I think there's multiple, multi, multi, multiple, reasons that this is turning into a sort of, like, as you say, a reality, you know, TV soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, first, first of all. You know, we have a free media, and I think we've got to be grateful for that. I'd rather have a free media than no media, um, or or a curtailed curtailed media. So that's that's a, that's something that we just have to balance. Secondly, and, and 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 there is a media frenzy, and we know how the media works. Uh, in, in some media works: it's sensationalizing, the sensationalising, the the need for a story, etc. That, that you know to simplify and exaggerate. You know, these are all, all themes that we can associate with some media. Uh, and they're all in competition with one another. Hmm. So so that, that that's one. Secondly, there is an element where we need to upgrade the the caliber of individuals that enters parliament. That that's another point, I think. We we need to have people in parliament from all walks of life that have in my view in my view, you know, had good experience outside of parliament as well. You know, good mix. We, you know, to be a to be a career politician is one thing, hmm. but then to have have experience of the real world and the issues that everybody faces, you know, from you know individuals to business, uh, I think that's very important. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, I think I think that's very very important, and 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 perhaps and perhaps uh, more maturity uh, of politician as well. So you know, decision making and the um, Ground-standing in front of the media and reduced. I, I think politicians have a responsibility for that, and are seemingly to, to 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 get carried away. I have to say, you know, the, you know, egos get inflated with power. Mm. There's, there's always a need to, for politicians to understand that they they have a trust, they're entrusted with, uh, and hugely privileged to be in that position. They could exercise whatever power they have. Um, very, very discreetly, after a lot of thought and humble, and uh, and and so I, I do think we need to look at that. I think we need to look at discipline within political parties as well, and uh, the fact that politicians uh, are indeed not come into Parliament for two years, perhaps the discipline has, has reduced. There's a need for the, for parties to look at discipline as well. Um, so I think there there are multiple factors here. Here and say that we've, we've got to address. Well, one—I—I be
1: honest with you—I would just look. I would take my hat off to the politician who would pass, who would get the basic question passed that you should not be able to lie in Parliament.
2: Mm.
1: I would take my hat off to that person because one thing that. I don't know. Maybe it's changed. Maybe media has brought it to kind of, kind of brought it to light more. Where in the older politician, there was still ethics, morals, values, respect across the floors was there. I'm going back twenty years, thirty years. People still addressed each other. The idea of being referred to as the right honourable, because there was honour there. Yet now they've just become words. We come onto TV we, with the advent of social media. Politicians make different statements on different platforms and get away with it. And we, we, we don't call it lying anymore. We call it, oh, they were being alternate truth or alternate facts or being economical with the truth. Or we give it so many different other narratives, but we won't call a spade a spade we won't say it's a lie to 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 play with the media like that we my 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 desire my wish my dream would be i would have honest politicians who uh, sit in parliament um and i think people would give them a lot more respect people would give them um, um a lot more time and and they would trust them more who because if my country's in trouble and my politician is going to tell me, "Look, we're in trouble. We need to be together." I would be more inclined to help, and I would be more inclined to um, um, uh, to, to to chip in um, because I know I am listening to truthfulness, and that's missing from our political arena across the board. And I know, and and you must, you must at some point know what I'm talking about.
2: Well, I, I've met a lot of a lot of politicians uh, uh, on the Conservative front bench, for example, and they are, in my opinion, the vast majority, uh, you know, are upright individuals who lead well and work hard to do good. So but I, I, I can hand on heart say that, in in relation to uh, misleading Parliament.
1: See, see what you uh, did, see Philip, what, what you did there. Mislead? What's misleading Parliament? What's that in layman's term?
2: Right, I, I think what misleading Parliament is when no facts are purposely um, yeah presented in yes. a way that uh, gives uh, the listener yep. uh, an alter a view that that's different from 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 the truth uh, okay and, so let's and, see you you're
1: defining that, a lie in lovely words <laughs> yes
2: and that, and the, well and that and that and that is against you know that is against the ministerial code and that is a resigning matter yeah so but, the,
1: but nobody does it anymore
2: well, well, the number of instances where ministers have resigned as a result of misleading Parliament. And don't forget, there, right, there is an independent body within Parliament that looks at, at matters of conduct. Um, I, I can't but, 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 but look, time. Philip, I, I, yeah. I
1: understand. Look, I'm yeah. not I'm not I, I'm just talking perce- perception, the perception of the public when they look at Parliament. You know, you you're out there. You, this is this is you aspire to be, um, you know, to to serve, and you also know that that is a perception of Parliament. People have kind of started to develop in their mindsets that a lot of these guys they never tell us the truth anyway. They only tell us the truth when it when it's when it's uh, you know when it's really when they're put in the, into a corner. You must you must come across that narrative on the on the. Uh, in, in public, when, when you go out and, and you talk to people. And I, that and the I, reason I raise that is, I'm, I'm not saying that, oh, that's the general consensus. No, what I'm saying is, isn't it time politicians recognized and, and addressed it? It is something that can be addressed. But in order to address something, you have to ad- accept that there is a problem. And I yeah, sometimes I, I, feel that we don't think that there is a problem.
2: Yes, no. You, you make a valid. You make a valid point, and any any, any reflective point, I think, is a valid point. I, certainly, for me, knocking on doors, speaking to to, to people, you know, uh, policy and competence uh, are big issues. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say lying, but certainly, <laughs> dis, dis, disillusionment <laughs> with policy uh, and, and competence are big issues. Okay. And, 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 and I, th- I think, as I say, I think that this can be addressed in in multiple ways. No silver bullet. Uh, I think first of all, we've got to accept the media as it is. It mm-hmm. does sensationalise. It it, it it There are more more media. There's social media. The exposure of events and public it's all in little time. And some of it is in context. Uh, a lot of it is out of context. Um, um, and and all of that, you know. To inform public opinion, but we do need to look then to look at the calibre of, of members of parliament and ensure they have the right skill set and degree of maturity to handle handle, handle, handle and And a of the fact that it is a privilege, it is a trust, and it should be undertaken as humbly as possible.
1: Wonderful, uh, Philip. We've taken up so much of your time, I want to thank you that you joined us for. Pleasure, a better, better Pleasure. part of an hour. Um, I wish you a fantastic day ahead, my friend. Um, may Thank pe- you. May, may peace be with you. Peace
2: be on you. I have really enjoyed the show. God bless you. Thank Pal- you. Pal-
1: Likewise. Pal- Likewise. Pal- 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 interesting points, brother, really interesting. brother, brother, um, brother. Here, um, you see, uh, that's why I, I, I loved what what Philip was doing. He was kind of, you know, we were saying actually the same thing. You know, we were saying the same thing. Yeah. I was calling a window cleaner a window cleaner. Yeah. He was calling a window cleaner a vision technician. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but we were saying the same thing. Uh, and, and you know, I'm sure, look, um, how many times we've sat here and had discussions about when politicians, um, you know, nobody wants to look down on, mm. on their governors. Islam teaches us to respect mm. people who serve the public. Absolutely. Because serving public is Like serving mankind, which is a commandment of
0: God, is it not, brother? Absolutely, and and uh, when you talk about service, you know, you, you the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he himself has said that Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum that the leaders of a nation are actually his servants. Mm. So, and uh, who better to understand this than the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and he was an embodiment of what he just said there that uh, the leaders of a nation are actually a servant mm. and we see that throughout his life of the holy prophet peace be upon him that uh, how much he cared for the mankind that uh, he gave he gave all of his time and effort for the public and looking after the public um, and that is why uh, he became the beloved in his nation mm. even those people that exiled him, the Meccans, you know, that uh, uh, they did not want to accept Islam. and They boycotted they, him. They boycotted him, mm. so much so that he he had to exile, and his companions had to exile. But the, and that was after persecution for how many years? So
1: 13, 13 years, years. 13 wasn't years, was it? Of 13 years of persecution he suffered.
0: And uh, ultimately, he had won the hearts of these people, mm. Um, and even those bitter enemies ultimately accepted him. And uh, you know, this is what we say every time here on the Voice of Islam radio station—that it was these beautiful teachings of Islam that uh, those uh, people understood at that time, um, and ultimately they had embraced Islam. And here, I I wanted to quote a few verses of the Holy Quran. In what does Islam say with regards to helping? the vulnerable people of the society and not just those people that ask for help but Islam actually looks at those individuals that they are in a very vulnerable situation but they don't tell anyone Mm. they keep to themselves so Islam says that you should also cater for those individuals that uh, they don't ask for help but you know they're in such a situation that uh, they need some sort of financial aid they need some sort of food and this is what we find in chapter fifty-one, verse twenty, where Allah, the Almighty, in the Holy Quran, it says, uh, he says that, and in their wealth was a share for one who asked for help and for one who could not. So emphasis on the on the verse where it says, and for those and for one who could not. So Islam here, it says that not only should you cater for those individuals that ask for help, but also look at those who did not who do not ask for help so what, it, what it's saying is that uh, you should go out there and you should recognize who are those people who are vulnerable and who are suffering and recognize the suffering of others and to make whatever sacrifice are required in order to help them overcome their challenges or troubles so this, this is a very beautiful verse of the holy quran and Another verse of the Holy Quran is from chapter 2 verse 84 where Allah the Almighty says And remember the time when we took a covenant from the children of Israel and you shall worship nothing but Allah and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the poor and speak to men kindly and observe prayer and pay zakat and then you turn away in aversion except a few of you so here, uh, I mean, we we've quoted this verse many times um, of of the Holy Quran, and here it says that to speak kindly, to at all times, and to consider it, uh, be considerate of feelings of other people, and to show love to love and protect vulnerable members of the society, such as the orphans, the childrens, and also those who are living in poverty or destitution, and it also mentions zakat here, and zakat, uh, you know, the system of zakat is that Muslims also spend a portion of their wealth for the poor and for the needy. And uh, this is- zakat
1: is is a is an you can call it an investment, but it's a payment Muslims make, uh, a percentage payment Muslims make every year on. Um, on untouched income, so uh, something which is like gold um, um, or cash, which has been sitting in the bank for a year, or gold, which has... Anything, any asset value which hasn't been used in that one particular year, there is a percentage of 2.5% is a payment made. um, 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 And that payment... um, a lot of people call it a, 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 a tax, a, an expense. I call it an investment. It's an investment one one makes within the society because you it, it encourages you to invest um, as per the teachings of the Holy Quran, where in the Holy Quran, and I'm sure Brother Tokir will correct me here, um, but it says about how it is God who blesses people with wealth, but the rich people's wealth poor people have a right on it there is a percentage of that wealth which belongs to the poor because again there is a system economic system that works and it 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 works on the basis where you need to firstly recognize that it's god who gives wealth to people if you think you yourself um, are the only sole um, um 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 what's the word uh, you you think your success is only down to you mm. then again the, you, you know that would be deemed as um you basically associating yourself with god almighty because you think you're so um powerful mm. whereas um all um, you know god rewards people and if god has blessed you with with uh, with wealth um, there is a element and a portion of that wealth that belongs to the poor and you must give that um, and there are other um, um, investments. As I say, I always use the word investment because it's for the anything which which brings and reaps a benefit cannot be tax and it cannot be an expense. Mm. Um, benefit um, it, it is is uh, is is uh, derived from investment. Uh, so so this payment of two and a half percent is made on on uh, on wealth which is kind of hoarded. Um, Hence why. if, if, In fact, when you look at some political parties today, they're actually thinking about introducing Mm. a a, a levy on wealth um, to rich people who don't who don't invest their wealth back into the system, who sit and and sit on it and and, and hoard it. Mm. And it just sits there doing nothing. If the same money was put back into the economy, it would it, it would kind of bring your economy to life automatically in fact it will never slow down because you continuously are investing in the economy and you will never ever need to rely on um, of course it will be the death of of banking interest systems mm-hmm. <laughs> if if that was to happen so it's a choice that today's um, day in, in today's day and age people make um, of what economic system we follow but going back to the point you were making that that what zakat is, we always we talk about zakat, but zakat is a um, is a pillar. It's actually a pillar of, of Islam Absolutely. and the Islamic way of life. Absolutely. Um, and it's actually one of the most important um, pillars because um, um, the, the, the payment of zakat is actually in the Holy Quran. Um, in most of the time, most of the places is, is intertwined with praying to God.
0: Mm. Is it not? Absolutely. Uh, and y- you know it's such a beautiful commandment within Islam I actually remember listening to his holiness one of his uh, convocations at, one, uh, at the uh, at Jalsa Salana one of his one of the convoc- convoc- um, conventions um and his concluding address and I remember he mentioned that uh, in the world now uh, it is actually Muslims who pay the most amount of charity, charity. Right. To, to the vulnerable people and what Why was the reason for this? It is because of the teachings of Islam that Islam has introduced that uh, such a huge aspect of your life is looking after your neighbours, those vulnerable people of the society, um, and hence that is why we find statistically looking at the figures, it is actually the Muslims. And and you know when we quote statistics as such, that's not taking anything
1: away from people who are not Muslims it's a statistical and analysis where um if one was to look at where most of the muslims are in the world they're in the poorer countries whereas um uh, hence why um this teaching is so relevant that mm. even when people are of from from lesser um, um economic uh, wealth um or 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 affluence yet they give more they still give more mm. so um that's why the relevance is there that more muslims are paying Charity. Yet more Muslims are coming from third world countries. And more Muslims are living in poorer um, economic situations compared to the first world, um, where majority of the people are of Christian faith or Jewish faith, where there is wealth. Um, so it's a it's a um, hence why it's such a relevant um, 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 uh, statistic to 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 have um, an interesting one, as to one would think. Why is it that these poorer people are giving so much more that they're at the top of the table? Mm. And again, as you so rightly said, it's because of the commandment of God. It's because by giving, they are seeking that pleasure from God Almighty. Um, and because the whole point of, of uh, you know, the, the, from a religious way of life is to please God. And you please God by serving man. They go hand in hand. and And it is... Um, you know, th- it is a message which his holiness has the Mizam Surah, may Allah strengthen his hand, the head of the, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah and the head of the Muslim community has been talking about since um, since he became caliph 20 odd years ago that humanity, humanity, humanity. You can pray. If you look at uh, the if you listen to the sermon he gave two weeks ago in Texas, I think mm. it was when he talked about, well, yes, you pray. Yes, you read the Holy Quran. Yes, you fast. yes, You should follow all the pillars of Islam. But that is not. That's that only that doesn't define a Muslim. Yes, you are following the pillars, but if you really understand and follow the pillars, then that must mean that must mean you have understood that you must do more for humanity. You must serve. Mm. Not just following the basics doesn't mean that God will open the doors of heaven for you. You need to be a good human being. You need to be serving. And, and and you know what's the point of of doing something as a ritual or a habit you got to believe and if you truly believe in the pillars then you will serve mankind in in the way um you know go out and and do things for people look after the vulnerable look after the elderly look after the disabled look after the 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 the, the, the needy um you know There's no point sitting at home and thinking, well, I've done my five times a day and I've done my, I've read my one part of the Holy Quran and I think now God will open the gates of heaven for me. It isn't as simple as that. It's actually more simpler than that. Be a good human being is what his holiness has always talked about. Humanity first. Um, irrespective, do not judge humanity based on the religion and the color and the creed of 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 an individual. I think you said it perfectly well. Islam is the universal religion. It's the final religion. The Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him accepted all the all the prophets before him. He said that in his final sermon mm. at the Mount, and how he 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 talked about all the ways from before. I was listening to uh, you mentioned the annual convention. There was an Imam from and a missionary from Ghana who said, look, um, I am in in order for me to be a Muslim. I have to be a Jew in order for in order for me to be a Muslim. I have to be a Christian. I have to respect all the all the uh, the 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 prophets Mm. who came before the Holy Prophet Mm. because the Holy Prophet accepted them. So who am I to not to accept them? And he included prophet Krishna, prophet Confucius, prophet Buddha, prophet. He says we're not talking don't assume it is only Abrahamic religions within the Amni Muslim community. It is it is prophets who come also from the eastern regions, which is prophet Krishna, prophet Confucius, prophet Buddha, uh, prophet Zoroaster. Mm. The acceptance of all these prophets, it part and parcel of that holistic belief that the Holy, the, 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 the promised Messiah has come to unify all of these faiths That's and he's true. the Messiah for all of these of these belief systems, which the Holy Prophet said, yes, they
0: were accepted prophets. Absolutely, and uh, I'd just like to quote as well from uh, the uh, the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in uh, looking at helping the vulnerable. At one place, he says that I am with the weak because aiding the weak and the poor is a means of reaching Allah the Almighty. Also, uh, if we look at the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Hamdiya Muslim community at one place, he says that my state is such that if someone is in distress, while I, I am engaged in the obligatory prayers and I hear the their grief, it is my adherent desire to break the prayer and try to help that person and shower them with as much love as possible. So here the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he's saying that even if he is praying in his obligatory prayers, if he hears someone who is in grief or is in pain, then he says that it is his duty to then break that prayer and go to that individual who is in need of help and shower them with as much love as possible such a beautiful quote of the promised messiah peace be upon him at another place the promised messiah peace be upon him he says to fail to help a brother in their time of need or difficulty is utterly immoral and wrong so such a beautiful teachings of the promised messiah uh, sayings of the promised messiah peace be upon him um and this reminds me of a uh, of a narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him as well, where he says on the day of judgment, there will be a party uh, that Allah the Almighty will be addressing and that party will say to uh, God Almighty will say to that party that uh, when I was on earth, you know, I was hungry or I was thirsty and you did not feed me or you did not quench my thirst. And to this, the, the those people being addressed, they will say that when was it that you were thirsty or you were hungry and we do not look after you? And God Almighty in reply will say that my that person of mine who was hungry or he was asking for water, if you had fed him or if you had given him uh, the necessities that he required, then it would have been as if you had fed me or you had quenched my thirst. So it's such a beautiful saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And uh, with that, we'll conclude the Islamic analysis. Wonderful. Thank you to Anisha Callahan, Kanta, Barira, Khafia
1: Halima and Salia for preparing today's show. Thank you to our guest, Philip. Thank you to Brother Zishan, without uh, whose help we would have uh, not been able to, um, um, you know, operate. Uh, we can never operate without the technical people, can we? And of course, thank you to Brother Thakir, for coming in today and joining me. Um, Thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to you for listening. Um, Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Um, Please um, remember us in your prayers. Until next time, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.